Would you turn again, please, to John chapter 10, and beginning at the first verse, which starts with, uh, with Jesus speaking. Um, if you were here last week, or um, you've listened to last week's sermon on the internet, you'll know that, in fact, this was our, um, our text last week as well. But uh, uh, I, I think John 10 is like New York. You know, John 10, John 10, so good. You preach on it twice. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. All these, uh, at these words, the Jews were, were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Just a pause for a word of prayer if we could. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you and we worship you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Thank you, Lord, that we can rely upon your presence. And thank you that you have left your word to guide and encourage us. 
Open your word to us, Lord, we pray this morning. Let's hear not from me, but from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Some years ago, um, I worked for, uh, it's going out on the internet, isn't it? A major sportswear brand. Um, and the, the business was in, the, in a time of transition. It had been a, a fairly small UK business. It was transitioning and growing very fast into becoming a major international uh, business. And as was the trend, the fashion at the time, <clears throat> we all had to go away for a, a, um, a long weekend of, of deprivation and bonding together in the, in the Lake District. Uh, <clears throat> and the idea was that we would all bond together. It would solidify the team um, <clears throat> And, and by doing so, uh, we would all be more effective when we, when we got back. And uh, I'm not entirely sure it achieved its goal. But uh, we would do things like um, abseiling down cliff faces, swimming across flooded quarries, sump diving, which is um, diving through flooded caves. And, and uh, yes, sceptical friends, I did do all that. And at the end of, uh, end of the day, after we'd all got showered and cleaned up and regained feeling in our feet, um, we would all be together in a big room and uh, supervised by um, an industrial psychologist. We would play these management games, you see, which are designed to show lots of things about our character and our personality. And frankly, all you need to do about me is ask the wife. But... <clears throat> One of the games involved a, a juggler's ball, which is um, a little pouch of leather, isn't it, filled with beads. And it would get, it would get thrown, and whoever it landed on or, or caught it, okay, don't panic, I haven't brought one. <laughs> Everyone would have to say what animal they were. Okay? So the first lucky person to catch it was the IT director. And he caught it, and a voice from the back shouted, Owl! You see, and if you said what an animal somebody was, you had to say why. And uh, so the question was asked, he said, well, why is owl? If ever I have a problem, if ever there's something I can't quite get my head around, particularly if it's system related, I go and see him. He sits there with his pipe clamped between his teeth, which shows how long ago it was. Uh, sits there with his pipe clamped between his teeth. He asks me some questions and later on he'll come back with some really wise and practical suggestions. A wise owl. Okay, great, marvellous thrown again next person that catches it is the managing director there is silence <laughs> there is more silence <laughs> and finally an unidentified voice shouts unicorn <coughs> why unicorn seldom seen <laughs> <laughs> now he didn't like this <laughs> <coughs> And the fact that he spent all his time in a big office, protected by a fierce secretary, just didn't come into it. He did not like being called a unicorn. So he demanded a recount. So he became a tiger. Okay, because tigers, he felt, was more him than unicorn. I'll leave it to you to judge which he was. The point of his story is that nobody was identified as or claimed to be a sheep. Let's face it, they're, they're, they're just not impressive, are they? You know, 
Not, not, not impressive animals. Um, can you give me my next slide? Okay. Just keep going till you find a sheep. There we go. I've nicknamed him Basil. But anyway. <clears throat> In any list of impressive animals, sheep would occupy a lowly position. Indeed, you know, these days, if you're outside the church and not used to the way we in the church speak, calling someone a sheep is to imply that they have no mind of their own. It is, at best, a mild insult. Why? Well, they just don't radiate intelligence, do they? They need to be guided to food or they die. Sheep utterly lack discrimination. They have a propensity for consuming things that will kill them. They don't know the plants which are good and the plants which are poisonous. They will just eat the plants. Sheep wander. Sheep get lost. Sheep get stuck down things. Sheep get stuck up things. Sheep fall. Sheep get entangled. If you were picking a football team, sheep would be the last one picked. Sheep are what naturalists call a prey animal, which is not a reflection on their piety, but more a reflection that unless given protection, they will sooner or later feature on the menu of another animal. Sheep flock together in the hope and belief that if the flock is attacked, the predator will catch someone else. They accept the sacrifice of another if it means their own survival. Could I have the next slide, please? This <laughs> the thing I couldn't get over is this. In heavy snow, sheep allow themselves to be completely buried, completely snowed in, and unless rescued, either suffocate or freeze to death. Sheep are almost designed to need rescue. Now, also from my research, and I, I've learned a lot about sheep, um, <clears throat> I've discovered that sheep cannot cope alone. They cannot cope by themselves. Before they are, if they're al- you know, alone, separated from the flock, before they are inevitably eaten by something, they go into a prolonged decline. They cannot handle life by themselves. They need a flock. And finally, uh, on this point anyway, sheep have a, a strong instinct to follow the sheep in front. Basically, they follow the crowd. They aren't discerning in any way about where the crowd might lead them. I'll tell you another story. Years and years ago, before I worked for a major sportswear brand, I worked for a major transport company. And one of the things we did is we transported livestock. We transported uh, sheep, actually, which um, uh, at the end of the process were called lamb chops. <clears throat> and uh, were sold in Marks and Spencer's. They were good lamb chops. Okay. So we would send uh, f- four deck trailers with 200 sheep in each down to the abattoir, which was in Devon. And we had um, two uh, lorries going in either direction five days a week. Okay. You always knew it was one of our lorries because you hear it coming. <laughs> Sorry, budget. Okay. So I go there, I'm the new manager of the, of the transport depot. You know, hello, lovely to see you. Would you like the tour? Well, this really puts you into conflict. 
I've got to tell you that touring abattoirs is not high on my list of leisure occupations. I also have to tell you that it smelt quite bad. On the other hand, these were the people that paid my wages. So yes, of course, I'd love to have a tour around your abattoir. So on goes the hat and uh, the little booties and the white coat and uh, round we went. And the thing that I'm getting to is this. They had at the abattoir lots of pens of sheep and they had a schedule by which these sheep would be slaughtered, driven by the schedule from Marks and Spencers, driven by the schedule of people who were eating the chops. And the question was how to get the sheep from where they were safely and calmly to become chops. And the answer was they would let the sheep out into a funnel-shaped enclosure. And in front of them they had a sheep which they called the pet sheep. Okay, it lived at the abattoir. And the pet sheep, who'd done it many times, would set off down towards the narrower end of the funnel. And all the other sheep would spy through the open gate, a sheep going that way, so they'd follow it. And the funnel would get narrower and narrower till there was just one single file of sheep. And the pet sheep would come out the end and all the others would get, uh, there isn't a nice way of saying this, a, <laughs> a, a, a bolt shot into their head. Sheep follow other sheep. They are just not discerning. Okay. Uh, they called it the pet sheep there. I've heard it also called in other places the Judas sheep. Okay, it's the sheep that betrays the other ones. So, individually, sheep don't impress. And that impression doesn't really change when you see a flock. In fact, <coughs> uh, I've come to the conclusion personally that the only ones who are interested in sheep are, are shepherds who want to nurture and protect them and predators who uh, don't. Can I have the next slide, please? Now, many will be familiar with Isaiah 53, 6, which says this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The him being Jesus. In order to understand the passage we've just read from John, I personally have to understand an uncomfortable truth, which is this. I'm a sheep. Okay, a good-looking one, but a sheep nonetheless. I need to be guided to spiritual food because I cannot find it myself. I cannot find my way without a shepherd. It is I who utterly lack discrimination, who is self-destructive, who wanders, who gets lost. And in the terms of this verse, who has gone astray. I need a shepherd to call me and to watch over me. I cannot survive alone. I need protection. And it is I who have a tendency just to follow the crowd and it's me that pays too little attention as to where the crowd might be taking me. Now for many, the road to knowing Jesus started with the realisation that we 
were a sheep that had gone astray. A realization that our own self-originated tactics and strategies were inadequate failures and at some point would kill us. A realization that we'd gone astray and that our rescue was beyond our own resources. And a realization that our only and singular hope lay outside ourselves in the person of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, I need to just put insert something here because some people will be familiar with Matthew twenty five thirty one. And it talks about how when uh, the Lord God returns in his glory, he will separate the sheep from the goats. Um, in, in, In the time of Jesus, in the sort of pastoral society in which they lived, some of the sheep pens they had were sort of lean tos on the house. And indeed, sometimes actually the sheep lived in the house. Um, And when they penned up the animals for the night, they would pen the goats in with the sheep. Um, because they didn't attack each other, they got on okay. But in the morning when they opened the pen, the shepherd would call the sheep and the sheep would come out, but they would take care to leave the goats in the pen and the goats would have to be tied down because sheep, well, sheep will follow a shepherd and goats won't. Okay, it's as as simple as that. If you want to lose some goats, walk in front of them and say, follow me and, uh, you know, it, it is, as one commentator put it, rather like herding cats. <laughs> you, ha- you have to do it uh, quite differently. So I, I want to just touch on that for the biblical scholars, just to say, well, uh, sheep and shepherds are mentioned 247 times in the Bible. Uh, this one is quite specific to the return of Christ. Okay, sheep and goats. So back to Umbro's management game then. Okay. If we were to play it, I did seriously think about getting a, a ball, but I'm, you know, I'm a bit frightened I might injure someone. Or it might get to the drummer, you know, who's got big forearms, and he'd hurl it across and it would injure someone. So, so what animal are you? David, what animal are you? Um, <laughs> For the benefit of those listening on the internet, he said sheep. What animal are you, Phil? <laughs> For the benefit of those listening on the internet, he's a sheep as well. <laughs> so back to John 10. The context and the background of which is this. Jesus had just healed a blind man. He'd done it on the Sabbath. And as a consequence of this, the Pharisees had publicly accused him of being from the devil. And the accusation, we've already read, continued to be the subject of public debate in verses 19 to 21 of our passage. So what we have in John 10 is, to a very large extent, Jesus setting the Pharisees straight. He's setting his stall out, in other words. By saying he was the good shepherd, he was making it clear, even before he elaborated, that the Pharisees were not good shepherds. Let me try and illustrate. Uh, imagine if I was at your home and eating a meal and you set before me, J- 
just to keep the illustration tidy, a shepherd's pie. Okay. <clears throat> and I ate the shepherd's pie, and then I looked up and I said, of course, I know how to make really good shepherd's pies. I'm the good shepherd's pie maker. Okay, the clear implication is that the one that you just served me wasn't. Okay, so that is what is going there. When he says, I am the good shepherd, it really means, and you are not. Now we read in Genesis 49, 24, God is referred to as the mighty one of Jacob, the shepherd, the rock of Israel. And this image of God as the shepherd was used in turn by Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Zechariah, and of course by David, who in Psalm 80 begins with, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So Jesus' repeated claim to be the good shepherd, could you, next slide, is nothing less than a claim to be God. And the Pharisees, they understood that. They were biblical scholars. They knew what they were hearing. On top of this, pious Jews would have been perfectly familiar, in particular with Ezekiel 32 too, which said this, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? The Pharisees, you see, were being exposed as Bad shepherds, by the good shepherd, God himself. And then in the passage, Jesus goes about contrasting the commitment of the good shepherd to his flock with that of the Pharisees, or the hired hands, as he calls them. And it, it's, it's difficult for us to understand the scorn, actually, that was implicit in all that Jesus said there. I care for my flock in the bad times, he says, not just in the easy ones, in the times of danger and not just in the times of security. When they need me, I'll be there. My commitment to my flock is unwavering and without compromise. I know them, they know me, and I lay down my life for them. And then he further prophesied his own death and resurrection the inclusion of the Gentiles into the flock and the driver for it all, which is to say the Father's love in this one astonishing chapter. I want to draw attention to verse 16, which says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. There is room to join the flock. There is room to come under the care of the Good Shepherd. Uh, as some of you know, I, I, I grew up in Cyprus. Um, uh, it was a, a sleepier place than it is now. The, the War of Partition, which has split the island, uh, hadn't actually uh, occurred. And uh, it was quite a rural and agricultural place. There weren't many tarmac roads. Those that there were were single carriageway. And they had big wide tracks on the side uh, for uh, people who were on donkeys, basically. Um, when we moved to the UK, I remember very clearly two things. One was I noticed that on the back of the lorries in Great Britain, they had a thing that said long vehicle, which they, they didn't have in Cyprus. In Cyprus, the general view was, well, if you pulled out, mate, 
<laughs> Whereas in the UK, they'd like to warn you that it was a big lorry. The other thing was the size of the flocks of sheep. And the way that they were driven and controlled with dogs. And it's immensely skillful. And, and uh, I remember when it used to be on the telly, my dad was a big, um, a real big fan of watching the sheepdog trials on, on TV. In the Cyprus of my youth, flocks were smaller. And if you watched a flock through the dust, they would be following the shepherd. They weren't driven by the dogs. Okay? Sheep followed, they weren't driven. And that's an important thing to get our heads around if we're going to use shepherd illustrations. How do we know? Well, there's a whole bit of stuff, isn't there, about why sheep follow shepherds. But verse 4, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It was customary in that time for the shepherd uh, to be a son, um, generally the youngest son, um, just as David, in fact, was in, in his youth. Legally, the sheep belonged to the father, to the patriarch, to the head of the family, but their care was entrusted to the son. If there were no sons, and you see in other parts of the Bible, what a disaster that is viewed as if a family has no sons. The shepherd was sometimes hired in. Though as Jesus pointed out, the lack of ownership, the fact that they weren't his father's sheep, made it an unsatisfactory state of affairs. If there was no family pen for the sheep, or if the flock were grazing too far from the house, the sheep would be penned up at night with a number of other flocks, sharing the one pen, watched over by a number of shepherds, one of whom, as we've read, would take responsibility for the gate. Because the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd was personal, because the sheep belonged to the father and they knew the son, all a shepherd had to do is open the gate and call his flock. And the other sheep wouldn't follow him because they didn't know him. The sheep that did know him would follow him. Um, I can't remember the name of it, some, some appalling chick flick film I saw yonks ago, but uh, the husband and wife were splitting up and there was a big fight as to who was going to get the dog. So what they decided was, they sat the dog in the middle, one went there, one went there, and they both called the dog's name. And the idea was, whoever the dog went to was the one that the dog loved best. Okay, It's kind of like that. The sheep will not budge for anybody other than their own shepherd. Okay, they, won't, uh, they won't do it. Now, uh, the comparison between David and Jesus, it runs richly through, through the Bible. I mean, after all, they were both related. Um, I, I just want to say one thing uh, on that at this stage. David was the shepherd who became king. And Jesus was the king who became a shepherd. In his case, the good shepherd. Can I have the next slide, please? As we've already seen, Jesus himself pointed out that there were other shepherds out there beside himself. Um, 
And Paul wrote in Acts 20, 25 to 28 this. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now here Paul is writing to the local church leaders and the key thing to grasp is that such leaders are called first to watch over themselves. Then secondly, to watch over the church for which they have responsibility. So though Paul is using the shepherd illustration, it is Jesus alone who is the Lord God and he alone is the good shepherd. Next slide, please. Okay, I've tried to I've tried to summarize. It doesn't lend itself easily to this, but just to be clear, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's God. He is without sin. And he watches over sheep. The local leadership are men. They must watch over themselves first and watch over the local flock. Those who lead in the church of God are most assuredly not the good shepherd. Though the shepherd comparison does still hold together to some extent, things can get messy if you confuse a shepherd with the good shepherd. A defining characteristic of Christian leaders is that they call, invite and work towards others hearing the good shepherd's voice and following the good shepherd for themselves. Don't follow me, they say, follow him. Jesus is the living God. A leader in the church is still a sheep. Now outside the church, there were those who would, who would try to be the shepherd. Um, political uh, movements, of course, of every shape and form. I'm not saying these are necessarily wrong. Uh, political movements, uh, nationalist movements, I mean, history and the story of the Nazis. The shepherd of a nation was was a monster. The media. Um, I worked in the media. I worked for a major newspaper group. And I've got to tell you, they're not interested in telling you the truth. They're interested in selling newspapers and selling advertising. False religions. Um, some false religions in past have started off by shepherds trying to take the place of the good shepherd. I mean, others are just mental, and I'll never understand it. But okay, uh, career. You know, uh, it's perhaps more common in the U.S. than it is now. But if you work for a major corporation in the U.S., they tell you where you're going to live. They tell you what job you're going to do. They move you around, if not the U.S., the world. But there's only one good shepherd. So the first question is, what animal are you? Well done, Rachel. Rachel's got it. I think round of applause for Rachel, everybody. Yeah, yeah. 
And the second question is, who is your shepherd? Because we've all got one. Next slide, please. You knew it was coming. Okay. Psalm 23, where David writes, remember, he was a shepherd boy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I'm old enough to prefer this in an older version and I hope you won't mind. This is a revised standard version. It was, just for the record, the prize for the highest history exam result when I did my O-levels in 1326. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's a, a man, a king, a significant historical figure who declares publicly and without reservation the Lord is my shepherd. He had so much more power and so much more wealth and so much more influence than any of us here could ever claim. Yet he declared without embarrassment that it was the Lord who was his shepherd. He was the leader and commander-in-chief of a nation but did not count himself too important to declare and acknowledge the Lord is my shepherd. And as we've discussed, the good shepherd is Jesus Christ. Very interesting, the words and the scriptures and things that, that came up this morning. Let me summarize. <clears throat> We're all sheep. Okay. I'm prepared to debate it with any of you who thinks you're a tiger. We're all sheep. We all have need of a shepherd. Either we follow a shepherd of some kind or we just follow the sheep in front. But we do follow. The good shepherd is the Lord Jesus who looks after his father's flock and there is room in his father's flock for more. Now if Jesus is not your shepherd, if it's just, never mind all the sheep jokes, if this just goes straight over your head, we'd love to speak with you about it. And uh, after our, our closing song, perhaps just seek me out or seek out David or seek out Rupert, okay, who has the distinction of being the Cardiff City supporter. 
if the Lord, now I, I prepared this without knowing what we'd be doing today. If the Lord is our shepherd, if we're already counted within the good shepherd's flock, we must listen, listen to him. We must discern and recognize his voice and take care not to wander. If you believe you have wandered, but want to come back to the good shepherd, then we would like to speak with you and pray with you this morning. Again, after our, after our closing song. Um, I wonder, Anne, if you would like to come forward. If the Lord is our shepherd, if we're already counted within the good shepherd's flock, we can join David without pride, reservation or embarrassment and sing, the Lord is my shepherd, just as he did. <laughs>